The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Now, before we get into anything too heavy today, um, there's some interesting stuff going on in the court system right now. It seems like a lot of people are suing states that tend to infringe on Second Amendment rights. And there's a couple of interesting things going on, especially in California. I think Illinois is one of the ones involved in this. In fact, somebody actually sued the state of Illinois for limiting access to suppressors. Now, suppressors basically just cut down on the noise of firearms when they're shot. It decompresses the explosive gas at the end of the muzzle and just bleeds it off slowly so it doesn't have an explosive crack at the end of the muzzle. Now, if the bullet is traveling subsonic, the whole experience is nearly silent, except for the clattering of the action. So it's very good for hearing protection. In fact, they had a law, they were, well, they had a bill they were trying to pass called the Hearing Protection Act, HPA. If you get a chance, you can look it up. Basically, it turns suppressors into <clears throat> just standard firearms. And they are regu- and suppressors are regulated by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. So obviously they're not tobacco, they're not alcohol, they are firearms is how they're regulated. Now, a lot of states refuse to let their citizens own suppressors of any type. They just think, oh, well, we're going to regulate those. And they're calling and they're saying, well, they're not arms because they can't regulate arms because arms by the Second Amendment are protected and the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. I know they do. They all do it all the time, but they're trying to say they don't. But they're saying suppressors are different. They're not arms. We can limit those. They don't have any Second Amendment protections. Well, if that's the case, a suppressor, just by definition, is something that contains the explosive gases that come out of an explosion. And you're thinking, okay, well, what else are you going to use a suppressor for? Well, let me tell you. The muffler in your car is a suppressor. It takes the explosive charge from a gasoline air mixture from the cylinder and muffles the sound or suppresses the sound down to what they consider a reasonable level. The same thing with your lawnmower, your chainsaw, your weed whacker, your boat, your motorcycle, your electric scooter, all have a suppressor on the end of the engine to muffle the sound, to bring the sound down. It's called a muffler, but it suppresses the sound. And the explosive charge is the gas and fuel being ignited inside the engine. So follow me here for a minute, if you will. They say suppressors are not arms, so they're going to limit them and say you can't own them. Now, in California just recently, they passed a law saying that um, open exhaust was completely illegal. But yet you can't own a suppressor, and it is not a firearm-related product, according to these states. They're trying to push this point of view. So if you took the muffler off your car, got a ticket for not having a muffler on your car, you could say, hey, California does not allow ownership of suppression devices. And suppression devices are suppressors that silence the noise based on an explosive event, whether it be a gunshot, whether it be a cylinder exploding gas and and uh, and air. Because electric cars don't have mufflers. They don't have suppressors on them. Now, it could be part of their plan to push electric cars to the forefront and try and make everybody own one soon. 
if they say mufflers are illegal and you can't own one. But if they're not firearm related, according to these states, and that's what they're pushing the courts to say, is that suppressors are not firearm they're not firearm related. They have nothing to do with firearms. They're they're not protected under the Second Amendment. By that same token, then mufflers on vehicles are not protected by the Second Amendment. And yet you should not be allowed to own mufflers on vehicles either. So that would be illegal. So that means according to federal law, if suppressors suppress explosive sounds, all mufflers on cars in this country are illegal to own without a permit, without a tax stamp. You can't own a muffler on anything. But for some reason, they separate them out, the ones that fit on guns versus the ones that fit on vehicles or other things, and they classify them as guns or classify them under the gun, the firearms part of the BATF. So it seems to me like that would be able to be shut down really quickly by saying that, hey, I don't need a, I can't have a muffler on my car because, hey, I'm not allowed to own a suppressor. I don't have a permit. I don't have a tax stamp. You say it's not a firearm-related item. Therefore, I'm not allowed to own it. Therefore, I can take my mufflers off everything I own and run what I want. Yeah, I'm sure that wouldn't go too far unless you actually took it up through the court system and saw how they decided that. I would like, but there's another thing. What if you had, let's call it a lawnmower. You have a lawnmower that has a screw-on muffler. Now, you take that screw-on muffler, put it on a firearm, all of a sudden, it's a suppressor. It's illegal to do that. But if it interchanges with your lawnmower muffler, I wonder how they would perceive that. And also, on air rifles, you're allowed to have suppressors, and they are perfectly legal. So apparently, just if it fits on a firearm, does it matter? Or does it make a difference? Even though California, Hawaii, Illinois say, oh, no, they're not firearm related. They're not firearms, so we we can restrict them however we want. Now, eventually, I think the courts are going to come down and say, no, suppressors are firearm related items. They're firearm pieces. They're accessories to a firearm. They make a firearm work differently. And these states are going to get shut down, and they're going to have to legalize suppressor ownership in all these states that don't allow it at all. And when I say don't allow it, you still have to go through the federal background check, get a federal tax stamp to make this happen. You can't just go buy a suppressor at the hardware store. Well, if you bought the pieces, you probably could, but not legally. You can't have a suppressor that's not registered, according to the BATF. And if the courts agree that suppressors are not firearms, this is going to change a lot of things in the world very quickly, especially in our country, is going to change a lot of things very quickly. Because if they're not firearms, they cannot be regulated by the BATF. Anything that's firearms related is regulated by them. And if you can prove your suppressor fits on your lawnmower or your dirt bike as well as it does your gun and fits on both, then what's to say you can't own it? It's not firearm related. They can't regulate that. But we'll have to see how the courts decide on this. I think they're going to shut that down pretty quickly, and soon suppressors will be allowed to be purchased in every state in the country. It's just kind of weird how they try and separate it out as not a gun item, but yet when you put it on something else, suddenly it's legal. you know. But yet you put that same non-gun item on something that's a gun, and all of a sudden it becomes a gun item. Yeah, I mean, the laws are kind of screwed right now, and it would take a lot to push this through to get logic put into this decision. But it's still kind of funny to think about the uh, the repercussions of taking this literally as possible and describing it to someone like that and see if it makes any difference. But that's what these states are doing. And it looks like the pistol, base, pistol brace ban 
is still null and void for the moment. Now, it's still working its way through the court systems, but it's looking better and better as if pistol bracers are going to be allowed again on a regular basis. So basically ending the short-barreled rifle restrictions. Because the BATF allowed for 12 years and 40 million of these pistol brace accessories to be sold on a variety of different weapons with no restrictions other than it was a pistol and had to be regulated as a pistol. So you had to be 21 to purchase one and you had to go this do standard background check on a pistol. But as an accessory, it was not limited at all as to where you could put it. So I'm interesting to see, I'm really interested to see how that comes out. Right now, things tend to be leaning in favor of a permanent injunction on the pistol brace ban, which means those of you who registered them, well, you know, you might have wasted your time doing it. You got yourself on the list. But another thing that you can do, if you registered this during the free registration period that was open, you can pull that pistol brace off and put a regular stock on whatever weapon you registered. It gives you a free short-barreled rifle without having to pay the $200 tax stamp. Now, the only thing wrong with that is if it's registered, once it's registered, it's always registered. Unless they pull back and change the law, refund all that money, and take all those weapons off the list... If it stays on the list and it's registered, anytime you sell it, it has to be registered as a short-barreled rifle and has to be transferred with a tax stamp to the next owner. So that does change things a little bit. But, like I say, I think a lot of people were applying for short-barreled rifles anyway during this period, and they said, you know what, I was going to wait to do it later. Now I can do it right now, and I get the $200 for free. I don't have to, I get a free registration of a weapon as a short barrel rifle during this time period, which I believe was from January to the beginning of May. It was like a four month period from January 1st to um, April 30th. You had 120 days to register any pistol braced weapon as a short barrel rifle with no expense to you. Didn't cost a thing. You just had to fill out all the paperwork and get it done. So it saved you the $200 tax stamp. Now, I think they still send you a tax stamp. Even though it wasn't paid, you still get it for free. Now, if there's any advantage to that, if they knock down the pistol brace rule, then it's going to be, it's going to be very silly, I would think, to register a short barrel rifle at this point in time because the pistol braces are so good now. They work so well. And they function so similar to stocks, I don't think it's worth it to try and register anything. But it's kind of funny because I don't, I understand back in the day they limited it because of concealment or something like that. There was some kind of weird limitation on why they put short barrel rifles in the, in the classification. But they did, and for years you couldn't have a short barrel rifle or what some people would call it. Carbines are just shorter barreled rifles that are easier to use on horseback, in vehicles, things like that. And there's a lot of people who've been doing it with the pistol brace. And it just makes it a little more handy. I mean, even if you're a deer hunter hunting with a 300 blackout, you can have your 10 inch barrel with a, with a, a folding stock on certain varieties and you can walk through the woods and not have to worry about it getting stuck on every branch you go by or getting twisted up because it has to be a 16 inch barrel with a accepted length for the stock, things like that. And they just make them a lot more practical and more accurate. To force people to have a pistol in a rifle cartridge chambering without some sort of brace on it 
makes it much more difficult to shoot accurately, makes it much more unsafe. And they say they want safety for the guns, but yet you want people to shoot something that's inherently much harder to shoot accurately without the extension of the rear brace part to put around your arm, on your shoulder, wherever you decide to put it. That was a point of contention at one point, too, with the pistol braces. You were not allowed to fire it with it pressed against your shoulder because that changed the definition. And then they realized that putting a piece of plastic on a gun does not change the definition of the effectiveness of or the classification of the weapon. And that they went through for a little while. Then they finally dropped all the silly regulations on that. Fire it however you want. It doesn't make anything more deadly it doesn't make it more dangerous. It actually makes it safer. So having a pistol brace on a on a rifle caliber pistol makes it a safer proposition, makes it easier to shoot accurately, makes it less dangerous by not, you know, having people miss or malfunction or, you know, not be able to hold it straight while they're shooting it. You know, that's bad enough with other weapons, but to have it on a, a rifle cartridge-based pistol is just silly. I mean, there because before that, the rifle-based Rifle caliber based pistols were pretty much just novelties. You couldn't really shoot them very accurately. It was very difficult to, to handle them, to make them shoot right. The accuracy was horrendous because of the weight of the weapons, but the pistol brace actually made a huge difference in being able to stabilize the rifle caliber pistols to shoot much more accurately. And that's what, it, in fact, um, when they first came out, they weren't pistol braces, they were pistol stabilizers was one term that was used when they first came out, and I believe it was SIG who brought out the first ones. And they just slid over a smooth buffer tube and um, could wrap around your forearm while allowing you to grip the pistol grip. Now, the newer ones have adjustability on them. You can They have clicks on them, so you can click them into any, as many as five or six different positions to be able to get the best application on your arm depending on how long your arms are or if you want to brace it against your cheek or your shoulder to shoot more accurately that's an option also now anybody who's going to go through the effort to get a pistol brace versus a stock it's probably not going to commit a crime with it because if you're going to commit a crime you don't care if it's a pistol brace or a stock you're going to do whatever you want to do you're going to break the law anyway it shouldn't matter if whether it's braced or not if you're going to break the law you don't care about the law and it doesn't matter which is so often the issue with so many of these things. It's so often that they get tied up and, well, the criminals could do this. They could do that. I go, they're criminals. They're going to break the law. Don't punish law-abiding citizens for what criminals might or could do. In fact, that would bring me to my very next story. This is interesting because you wonder why we have so much gun crime. And it's it's weird how they decide to prosecute certain people based on... uh Several things. There was a guy, Mikey Williams. He was 19 years old. So he was an adult, you know, a young adult, but still an adult. And uh, he was uh, actually a very good basketball player, apparently. And the University of Memphis was going to offer him, uh, I guess, a scholarship or uh, something to go to school there. But he had a problem. He had a gun charge he was dealing with. Now, granted, this was not his first time. This 19-year-old... African American had been involved with criminals before. He had been, he had had crime before. Six counts of assault with a weapon, one count of firing into an occupied vehicle, and two counts of making threats that could result in great bodily injury or death. So, it was, I mean, he was not exactly an upstanding citizen, but because he was a basketball player and a minority, 
I believe he had a gun charge where he could have faced up to 30 years in prison on this gun charge. Let's see. I'm going to go through some of the uh, <clears throat> March 27th shooting at a home in San Diego County. An argument before midnight ended with gunshots being fired at a car that was leaving the house with five passengers inside. The bullets hit the car, but nobody was injured. Had he been convicted and sentenced to the maximum time allowed, he would have been looking at 30 years in prison behind bars. Instead, they let him off with a plea bargaining to a single count of making a criminal threat, which basically he didn't serve any time for. So it's a felony, but he stayed out of trouble and it's even going to be wiped off his record eventually because it's such a misdemeanor crime. And they wonder why gun laws don't work. It's because they don't enforce them. I understand if this had been this guy's first incident being in trouble, first time being convicted of anything like this or being charged with anything like this, I could say, okay, you know, he's young. He didn't understand the repercussions. But he's got six other previous convictions and because he can play basketball and he's a minority, they decided to let him off with a slap on the wrist. Now, I want you to stop for a minute and think about this, Roland. If you were a middle-aged man or woman and you had committed any of these crimes and had been caught, do you think you would have gotten away with a slap on the wrist? Do you think you would have gotten away with a plea bargain like that? Absolutely not. They would have probably pressed charges, full extent of the law. You'd be serving hard time. Now, it may not be 30 years, but you'd probably get at least a two to five for that. Well, this kid, even though he's kid, this adult male, because he's a good basketball player and he was already being drafted by some colleges to go to school there, they decided to let him off the hook completely. He had eight other counts. He was, he had to complete a gun safety course, attend anger management ses- sessions, and do 80 hours of community service. Great. For a gun charge that could have net him up to 30 years in prison. And so, uh, it's, it's just amazing how, and they don't, ex- and they, how, how would he learn anything from this? Now I'm not saying to mess up his whole life for one mistake, but for Six or eight mistakes of felony counts. He's a habitual offender and they think he's just going to get better by doing 80 hours of community service. And I just wonder if it had happened in any other state in California, would they have been so lenient on a potential criminal? And I know his age has a lot to do with it because they don't want to put kids in jail for the rest of their lives when they're that young. I mean, he made mistakes, obviously, but you know what? To let him just get away with that light of a sentence seems a little bit ridiculous. But they com- they contemplated putting him in jail for a year. But what that would do is probably keep him from getting his basketball scholarship. So it's going to be, you know, and they they complained about we need more gun laws. The gun laws were in place. This guy violated what uh, six of them. Count, he has six counts of assault with a weapon, one count of firing into an occupied vehicle, two counts of making threats. He's got a trial set for next week sometime. So it's funny. He's, he's walking away from the courthouse in the San Diego suburb. He goes, it's all over, said Williams, who was dressed in a black suit, had his arm around a friend or a family, whatever it was. I feel good, brother. You know, blah, blah, blah. All glory to God. I'm just happy that I made it out of this situation. He made it out because the California laws are so lax and they are not at all trying to prosecute criminals who violate gun laws. Instead, they just want to make more restrictive gun laws to keep law-abiding citizens from having weapons to defend themselves against people like this. You know, and they asked the DA for a comment. 
didn't immediately respond. Yeah, if you cut a deal like that, you got to realize, okay, how did this happen? What did this guy do to deserve that? I don't know. You know, I can understand, like I say, a first offense, but this is multiple counts over years. This was not something that just happened overnight. So let's let's see if we can get people to pay for their crimes here instead of waiting until they get older and end up killing more people or killing somebody. Now, this guy's never committed a murder. He just shot at five people in a car and hit the car but didn't hit anybody in the car. So gun safety class, he's going to learn to be more accurate with his weapon, which means next time he shoots at a carload full of people, he may actually kill somebody. And when that happens, they're going to complain, oh, my God, we need stricter gun laws. It's like, no, you don't. He's done this before, and you let him go. You know, you can't have stricter gun laws if you're not going to enforce the gun laws you've already had. He violated, he had six counts already he's violated. Shot at five people in a car. Hit the car but missed the people. Thank God for that. The people weren't injured. But had he killed somebody, they probably would have been quite as lenient. But the fact that he has had assault with a deadly weapon, five counts of this, and yet they let him go with a slap on the wrist because they want him to go to college. Now, I don't know what his, I'd love to know what his GPA is. I mean, I know he's a basketball player and he can potentially get into the NBA. And from what I've seen of the NBA crime records, it seems like he's a perfect candidate to go into the NBA because it's a thug's life in the NBA. You have to be able to, you know, beat up women, have gun charges, have, have a violent past. This is just part of being in the NBA, it seems like. But it's just, it's amazing that this is the kind of thing they do in California. They let him go, gave him a plea bargain, and yet they want to turn around and pass stricter gun laws. Because why? Because, oh, because gun laws aren't strong enough. They are strong enough, but when this guy does it again and he's an adult, they're going to complain about the gun. Oh, if he didn't have access to that gun, he wouldn't have been able to do this. But uh this is just, it's ridiculous. There's another one, a real quick one here. Uh the summer, a 20-year-old accused of running an illicit gun-making operation managed to avoid 28 felony charges, mostly for unlawful possession of a machine gun, and escaped with just one year in county lockup and two years of probation. After pleading guilty to a single count of unlawfully converting a firearm into a machine gun. Now, again, he's 20 years old. It was a mistake. I understand the youth factor here. But I just wonder if he's going to learn from this. And it says 28 counts, but this was all, I think, based on one arrest. So it's going to be interesting to see how they pull this out and decide, well, you know what? We need more gun laws because the gun laws aren't strict enough. And this is examples of exactly why the gun laws are not strict enough because they don't enforce them. And it's hard to have gun laws that don't apply to everybody equally. I mean, equality under the law used to be the basis for justice in this country. It has now become such a farce. Anybody of power or celebrity or politicians don't have to deal with near the same level of justice as everybody else in the country. Like you look at our president's son, Mr. Hunter Biden. If anybody else in the world had done the things he had done, violated as many laws, drug laws, uh, gun laws, um, child trafficking laws, you know, child pornography laws, any of them had violated any one of those, 
They would have been sent away for a long time. But because he's connected, because daddy is a politician, former vice president and now president Joe Biden, he will not serve one day in prison because of this. He's got a connection that does not make him equal under the law. It makes him supreme under the law. It just seems like we're getting away from the principles this country was founded on. To have equality under the law means everybody deals with the same crime the same way. And extenuating circumstances are not always extenuating as they seem to be. The fact that he's connected, it's not like the government's like its own sort of little mob going on there. They have the government that's run like a a mafia. You know, if you're in the mafia, you're fine. You're protected. They take care of you. You, you won't get prosecuted by your peers. However, if you're not, then you get treated like an ordinary citizen and they will prosecute you and make an example of you rather than give you the same leeway they gave to a president's son or to a basketball player in California. So be aware. If you break the law, it's going to be totally different than if somebody else does. You know, and a lot of people, someone was telling me, oh, Alec Baldwin, he should be in jail. It's like, no. Alec Baldwin did not shoot somebody on purpose. He wasn't deliberate. He didn't mean to hurt anybody. It was an accident, plain and simple. And despite the fact that he's a big anti-gun person, I don't put any blame on him for what happened. He'd been dealing with guns on set for decades, and they always followed a procedure. And unless he somehow circumvented that procedure for his own cause or his own, you know, his own means... He was not responsible for that death. I mean, he's responsible for it, but he should not be prosecuted for it because it was, there was no intent, no malice there at all. But these other ones, they were done with complete malice, with com- complete intention. They knew what they were doing. The guy who shot at a car with five people in it, there was no bones about it. He was trying to hurt somebody. He was trying to kill somebody. You don't unload a gun into a car and not say you're not trying to hurt anybody totally different situation but again california has very strict gun laws that they just choose not to enforce and they choose not to enforce them so they can pass stricter gun laws and make more people have less and less responsibility for what they do so be aware of that pay attention to what goes on in your county or your city see how they treat people especially if you live in a state that has very restrictive gun laws see how they treat people who are either minorities or uh, younger people this guy shouldn't have even he was 19 years old he should have not even been in possession of a handgun much less be shooting at a car full of people i wonder if they're going to track down that down and see where it came from was he involved in a theft where it was stolen was he involved in I don't know, some kind of way to get a gun out of state where he got somebody else to buy it for him. Was it a straw sale? Was it a straw purchaser who got him this gun? They need to investigate this further, see what other laws were broken, and see if they can knock this out. Let's let's enforce the laws you got, California. Don't tell me I can't have this, that, or the other, but you're going to let people get away with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon just because someone's a basketball player. All right, I'll be right back after these messages. This is Locked and Loaded. I am Roger B., and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. 
veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And right before we left for the break, we were talking about enforcing gun laws that were already on the books and how these states are just not doing it. The the feds are not doing it. They're just letting people go because, you know, they don't want to. I don't know what they're trying to do. I guess they're trying to make it seem like things are much worse than they are with the gun laws we have. And we need something stricter. But unfortunately, the gun laws are there. They're just not enforced, which here we go again. Now, Chuck Schumer, if you know him or know of him, he has not been a friend of anybody in the in the the gun rights advocacy or gun business or any of that. He's backs every gun control bill that comes up to the to the Senate without any reservation. He is a full on gun control nut. I figure I can call them gun control nuts because I know they like to call any gun enthusiast or weapon enthusiast gun nuts. So these are gun ban nuts. They just want to ban everything. They don't want to have any guns anywhere. They want no one to have them. Oh, wait, except for him. His armed security should be allowed to carry whatever they want. But he doesn't want you to be able to protect yourself or your family the same way he does. I know I just have to mention that every time I mention anything about a politician wanting gun control. But apparently he's back at it again. He's trying to bring in a vote on the assault weapons ban to the floor this coming week. And uh he's going to bring a new assault weapons ban bill to a vote. Now... Does it look like he's going to be able to get this done? Can an assault weapons ban pass and become the law again? For those of you who lived under it from 1994 to 19 to 2004, it existed. No magazines over 10 rounds. Rifles had to have only certain features allowed on them. Fortunately, though, when it sunset in 2004, President Bush decided, I'm not going to renew this. There's no need to. It didn't do any good. It didn't change anything. Now, they love to tell you that passing the assault rifle ban caused crime to go down. Did it? Probably not. If you look at the trend for five years before the assault rifle ban went into effect, crime was already on a downward swing. It already had gone down for the last five years without the ban in place. And it continued on that trend. 
but they like to, they only show you the point from when it passed onward. They don't show you the point five years before that when it was still on a downward swing and had been going down a lot since then. So the chance of this becoming a law, probably pretty slim. But it's just, you know, the Democrats, they may have a majority, a majority in the Senate, but they aren't filibuster proof. So consider that. And considering how many new gun owners there are in the country this year alone, record sales over Black Friday, record numbers of new gun owners coming into the population. Even some of the Democrats in the Senate have got to realize if they vote for gun control like this, they may be putting themselves at in danger for re-election. Now, there are a few, I guess, uh, you know, guys that consider themselves immune from this type of thing where they don't care what the citizens think. They're going to get re-elected for years and years and years. Nobody's going to question them just because they've been in for so long. People perceive them as having a lot of influence in the Senate, and a lot of them do. And they think they're invincible. They think that they're, you know, that they're there for life, and as long as they want to run, they get to stay, which generally is the case because people who don't know any better will vote in the same people over and over and over again without ever knowing where they stand on issues that may or may not matter to them. They just don't know. So, yeah, and it's funny. A lot of experts will try and tell you, yeah, the 94 assault rifle ban, it, it, it didn't reduce gun deaths. They'll tell you that. It did not. The homicide rate was declining before the ban and it continued after the decline. So we know that was, that was the way that was done. It was declining before the ban passed and then after it passed it kept going down. And even though the ban was in place, a ton of AR-15, AK-47 rifles were being sold. Dozens, I mean thousands and thousands of them because manufacturers found a way to avoid I guess having these guns fall within the restriction of what was considered an assault weapon. An assault weapon is just a made-up term. I shouldn't even use it. Military-styled rifles. It's like race car-styled car. Is it a race car? No. It's a Camry with racing stripes. It's got bigger wheels on it. Does Is it a race car? No, it's not. <coughs> Same thing with these guns. Putting an accessory on a gun does not make it uh, a military weapon. There is almost no military in the world that uses a semi-automatic weapon as their main weapon. And these are just semi-automatic weapons with different clothes on. Like I said, you put racing stripes on a car, you put bigger wheels on a car, does not make it a race car. It's still a street-legal vehicle. These guns are still legal to own military-styled rifles that are no more effective than any other semi-automatic rifle, whether it's got a pistol grip or not on it. You know, they have, I don't, for those of you familiar with guns, the Ruger Mini 14, Mini 30 are probably my number one go-to. Those in their standard format have five round magazines, no vertical pistol grip. (coughs) Excuse me. But yet, they are considered fine by most cases. However, if you put a flash suppressor on one, it all of a sudden becomes an assault weapon. If you dress it up in a different stock, it becomes an assault weapon, where before that it was not. It was just a semi-automatic weapon. But the fact that it looks a certain way, people have a preconceived notion. If a gun is all black, has a vertical grip, has certain accessories on it, oh, that makes it way more dangerous. It does not. 
But that's unfortunately the way things are. And it's it's hard to get people who don't know any better to see. You show them a picture of a Mini 14 and an AR-15, and 10 times out of 10, they're going to say the AR-15 is more dangerous unless they know anything about guns. Unless they know anything about firearms, they're going to tell you, oh, that one we should ban. That one looks okay. Take the, the Mini 14 with a five-round magazine in it, flush to the bottom. Oh, no, that one's fine. That's just a regular hunting weapon. And let me tell you something. Hunting was never the reason for the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment was not done because the founders just came back from a duck hunt or a deer hunt. They came back from defeating the world's largest, most powerful empire at the time in a war for their own freedom. They were fighting taxation without representation. They were fighting tyranny from the ground up. That's why the Second Amendment exists. So if someone argues with you and say, well, you know, if you're, this should only be a hunting weapon, that is complete bull squeeze. In fact, the British tried to eliminate military-styled weapons from being owned by colonists at the time. And at the time, a military-styled weapon consisted of a feature where the ramrod to pack the powder and ball in was made of metal instead of wood. That was the difference between a military-styled weapon and a civilian-styled weapon. They tried to ban all the military-styled weapons from being owned by civilians, and the colonists said, no, no, forget you, we have the right to own whatever kind of guns we want. Thus, the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It doesn't say if this or or that or void in case of new developments in technology. No, it doesn't say any of that. It says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So, you know, the fact that they do limit every every state with strict gun controls laws limits the Second Amendment in so many ways that's illegal, unconstitutional, but yet a lot of it people don't seem to care, although they are starting to fight back. Like, say, the, the famous Freedom Week in California, a judge ruled against the magazine ban, and one and a half million magazines were shipped to California during a one-week period before they reinstated the ban under an appeal. But for one week, they had Freedom Week in California. Now, other states are getting into this also, running into problems. New York has their, their May-issue permit situation as being is being, I guess, threatened, is being corrected and made into a shall issue. If you can if you can apply for the permit, show you're an upstanding citizen, pass the background check, then you should be able to get a permit to carry. So what does New York do? do? They make arbitrary areas based on some crazy criteria that only they know. Well, you can carry it here, but not here. Why? Because, well, there's more people here than there are here, so we don't want you to carry where there's people. Well, when are you more likely to get mugged, walking through downtown streets in New York or walking through a countryside in, in Vermont? Obviously, the first. That is where you want to be able to carry your weapon. Again, they're treating upstanding citizens, law-abiding upstanding citizens, as criminals. And until they stop doing that, we're never going to get our rights fully put back into into a place where we can claim to be American citizens and we have rights. They want to take these rights away, left and right, no pun intended, and they want to disarm everybody because they think only the government should have guns. Now, the last couple times this happened, it ended up starting world wars and dictators killed millions of people in the name of safety, in the name of security. And as Ben Franklin once said, those who will trade security... 
who those who will trade freedom for temporary security deserve neither. If you're willing to trade freedoms for what you envision as security or safety, you don't deserve either one of them. If you can't help provide for your own safety, for your own security, you shouldn't be able to limit anybody else's right to do that for their themselves, their family, their property. <clears throat> Just because you don't want to stand up and defend yourself, defend your property, defend your family, doesn't mean somebody else should not have that right. So you want to make it more dangerous for everybody because you're not willing to take up the responsibility of defending yourself. You're going to rely on someone else to do that for you. And you think taking my right away to defend myself is going to help you somehow. Well, let me tell you, criminals don't pay attention to laws. That's why they're criminals. And the sooner people will recognize this and realize, I'm not fighting against my neighbor. He wants to have a gun. He's a responsible guy. I loan him tools sometimes. You know, we talk when we're standing by our mailboxes. This is the guy you're taking the guns away from. If he's an enthusiast, you're taking guns away from him. And who's going to come to your rescue when something happens to you in the in the middle of the night and during the week? You're going to call the police and wait minutes for them to show up? Or are you going to give your neighbor a call and say, hey, I hear somebody rattling around in my garage. Would you come with me and take a look and bring your gun? Sure. He's there. He's going to help help you more than the police will in a quicker fashion. Now, eventually the police may show up and they'll do what they need to do and they will help protect you. If you've got that much time to wait, by all means, vote against anything you want. But don't complain when they don't show up for 20, 30, 45 minutes at a time. You know, if there's nobody in immediate danger, your call goes to the bottom of the list. You're not a priority if you're not in immediate danger. And the only way to get into immediate danger is to go investigate something that you have no way of defending yourself against. If you can't defend yourself against an armed intruder... Why do you even want to bother stopping other people from doing that same thing? Just because you don't. Because you don't want to take on the responsibility. You don't want anyone else to have it either. Well, you know what? You need to get to know who your neighbors are. Is that the kind of person you would want to be disarmed? Would you feel better if he didn't have a gun in case criminal activity was going on in your neighborhood? Would you want nobody to have one except for the police officers? Keeping in mind, criminals don't obey laws. They're all going to have guns. They're always going to have guns, and they're going to have whatever kind of guns they want because they don't care about the law. They are lawbreakers by nature. A criminal is, by definition, someone who breaks the law. So don't get all on your high horse and decide you want everybody to be disarmed when it's actually just you who's going to be disarmed when you need help the most. You will not be able to stand up for yourself. You won't be able to protect your family. Are you going to be able to look your family in the eye and say, I wish I could have protected you better? I wish I could have kept you from dying? I wish I could have stood my ground? I wish I could have shot the intruder? But I don't believe in guns, so I didn't want to take on that responsibility to defend you? Yeah. When you're crying at a funeral, remember you chose not to defend yourself. You chose to disarm law-abiding citizens who could have come to your aid. Keep that in mind when it happens to you. Most people never experience violence in their lifetime, and that is great. That is fantastic. But for those of them who do, or for those of you who choose to make a living out of defending innocent people against criminals, all the law enforcement officers out there, we thank you for your service. We should every single day because you will pick up the slack where some libtard citizen will not pick up 
his end of the slack and do what he has to do to protect himself or his family. Now, it doesn't always necessarily mean having a gun. Some people are just not built to handle it. They don't do it well. It makes them nervous. They don't have the skill set. They don't want to learn the skill set. And that's fine. But don't tell your neighbor he can't have one too. What if he's the closest person to you who can defend you against intruders and you want to disarm him? Don't be that guy. Just because you don't want to do it doesn't mean somebody else can't do it. If you're going to wait for the cops, you know, when seconds count, cops are minutes away. Not bashing them in any way. They're just, they have, they're understaffed. They're overworked. They have too many calls to handle. And you get placed on a list based on priority. If you are not in immediate danger, you are very low on the list. Now, once you get shot, then you can call for an ambulance and the police and they'll be there quickly. But until that happens, you're going to just have to hope that these guys don't do anything to you, don't invade your house. Maybe they'll stay in your garage and they'll just steal a bunch of stuff from there, but they may not come into your house. But if they come into your house, then you can call the police. But you see them outside planning to, you're not a priority. You're not in immediate danger. Well, lock your door and stay inside. Go into one room of the house. Stay together. Right. While the guy next door who has a gun, you could call him and say, look, I feel there's somebody outside my house. I hear they're doing some harm. Will you help me look? Will you help me go investigate what's going on here? I know you have a gun. I know you know how to use it. We're friends. Can you come help me? Wouldn't that be much better than having to wait for somebody who doesn't know you to come to your aid? And they may or may not get there in time. You know, consider that. Even if you don't want to have guns, if you don't want to own them, wouldn't you want to support somebody in your neighborhood or in your building who does? especially if you're friendly with them and they'd be willing to help you in case of an emergency. And it doesn't even have to be, you know, a, a criminal element. Well, it would eventually end up a criminal element, but say it happened during a natural disaster. Say you had all your stuff saved up that you had, your neighbor had all his stuff saved up, you had water, you had food, all of a sudden there's roving bands of criminals going around stealing all the stuff that you saved and stored and had to provide your family in just such an occasion. Don't you want the guy with the gun to be in your group of friendly people also? Don't you want him to be on your side to defend against people trying to take all your stuff that you saved to defend your family and provide for them? Because you know what? If you're providing for your family, if you're protecting, you're preparing for an emergency, let me tell you something. The guy who has the gun, the criminal with the gun, is not going to be the one who goes hungry or goes thirsty if you have water and food. Your family will be the ones who go without it, but he will take what he wants from you at gunpoint, and you won't be able to defend yourself at all. You won't be able to stop him in any way. And if you want your neighbor to be disarmed too, you won't allow him to be able to help you either. And it'll come down to how good are your locks or how good is your door. Can you keep somebody out if you had to? Do you have windows that don't have bars on them? So unless you want to live like a criminal, live it. You know, you can go to prison and you're incarcerated. You have freedom to eat three meals a day. You have the freedom to get your half hour of exercise a day. You have the freedom to a, a cot and a bathroom. If that's all the freedom you need, by all means, get arrested, go to jail. Your meals and your security will be provided for you. The prison guards will be there to take care of you. You will get medical care. That's what you want. By all means, do it. But if you want true freedom, some at some point in time in your life, you may have to face the fact that you may have to fight for it, that you may have to tell somebody who wants to take your freedom, no, this is mine. I will defend it. I will defend the lives of my family members, my friends, 
my property. I will defend this. This is mine. And a criminal wants to take what's yours. That's what they do. They want to do you harm, take what's yours, so they can lead a better life in their eyes. But if you don't want your family to go hungry or thirsty during an, a natural disaster, then be prepared to defend what you have. You know, if you're at all capable, if you think you have the mindset to do that, by all means, investigate the possibilities. Go out there, get some lessons, learn the basic workings of a gun. Eventually, if it gets to the point where you're comfortable enough, go get one. Practice with it on occasion. Keep it safely stored, if, especially if you have kids in the house. You have kids in the house, make sure that weapon is secured in a place where roaming, roaming little hands can't find it and get into trouble with it. Make sure your spouse knows how to use it if she has to. If you ever sleep outside your house, if you work outside late, if you end up going out of town for business, make sure your spouse knows how to use the weapon that's there. Make sure they know how to defend themselves because you can't always be there to do it. Even if you are the primary source of defense in, in your home, you might need a backup defense, especially if there are times when you won't be there to d- provide for that defense. You know, it's it's a simple choice, and it's a, it's a skill to have. Now, not everybody likes the idea of doing it, but you know what? Not everybody likes the idea of paying bills either, but yet it's something you have to do. You know, and even if you don't want to do it personally, you find someone, if you have, if you're not good with keeping track of your money, you have an accountant do it for you. If you're not good at guns or you don't want to learn how to use one, what if your neighbor does? Or what if someone who lives in your building does? You can get them to help you provide for your protection. And you trade them something in exchange for that. I don't know what that might be. Maybe you take them to dinner a couple times a year. Maybe you do accounting services for him. But if he's there and he's armed, he may be your closest defense mechanism if you choose not to be able to defend yourself. Now, a lot of people will get non-lethal items, and these are great. A lot of them work very effectively, even against people who are armed. And that's a, that's a step in the right direction. Start with that. If you don't feel comfortable with a gun, start with some some pepper spray or some tear gas spray or something like that. Start with some way to defend yourself. I knew a guy who kept a samurai sword by his bed. That's what he wanted. And I thought about it, and I thought, you know, if you went after somebody with a samurai sword, <laughs> they'd probably be almost more afraid than if you were chasing them with a gun because you got to figure the guy with the samurai sword – He's got some big cojones. He's coming after you to kill you, and he's got a sword in his hand. Now, don't think they won't shoot at you, but they probably will, but they'll probably be shooting on their way out of your domicile, on their way away. They'll be running away from you instead of towards you at this point. You know, take up some sort of sport that can help you defend yourself. Learn hand-to-hand combat in the most basic sense. Learn how to use some some martial arts weapons. And have something nearby to help you start. Now, if you decide to graduate to the point of using a firearm to defend yourself, there are probably, you probably have friends who could help you get started. If you don't know somebody, I'm sorry for you. You should. But if you disassociate with people who want to defend themselves, who want to, you know, take care of their property and their family, then you're throwing away a very valuable resource. You're throwing a resource of protection away that you could certainly employ, especially if you are friends with this person. But if you don't want him to be armed and you don't want yourself to be armed, then you're both putting yourself at great risk by people who don't care 
about the law. People who won't read it twice, they'll get two guns every time they get a chance and they will come after you and they will take what you have, what you earned, what you worked for, what you helped provide for your family. And you know, people go, oh, well, it's just money. It's just stuff. You mean to tell me you, you value your stuff over somebody's life? I go, when that person comes after me to steal my stuff, they value my stuff more than they value their life. They're making that conscious choice. I'm not making the choice for them. They're making it. They're deciding that my stuff is worth taking a risk of getting shot and killed over. You know? So, you know, they made the choice before I had to make it. But they forced my hand into making that choice. After all, what is stuff? Stuff is things you buy, things you purchase. How do you get this stuff? You work to earn money to get it. And work takes time. Your time. That's the one thing you can never get back in this life. You have a limited amount of time. And if someone steals it from you, they're stealing hours of hours of your life away from you. They're taking whatever hours you spent earning, whatever it took to buy the things you had or provide for your family, pay for your kids' college education, whatever you do with that money. They're stealing that ability of you to provide for your family. They're taking things from you that you provided for your family that you use either to entertain yourself to help make your life better they're taking these things away from you they're taking away the time you spent to earn the money to purchase it so keep that in mind it's not just about the stuff i mean stuff is easy if stuff just fell from the sky or you could walk and pick it up off the street that'd be fine but you have to put in hours you have to work you have to take hours of your life to earn the money to purchase these things so it's not just stuff and these criminals know that. They don't want to put the time in. They don't want to put the work in. They want to take it from you without having to provide for themselves at all. So keep that in mind. The next time you're saying, oh, it's just stuff, it's not just stuff. It's time. So be aware. Pay attention. And if you possibly can, be able to defend yourself in some way. You know, I don't care if you have a bow and arrow. Any kind of weapon other than hands is probably better than someone who just has hands. Against a gun, I would recommend, of course, using a gun. Don't bring a a knife to a gunfight. If all you have is a knife or all you're allowed to have is a knife in your state, then you know what? You do with what you can get. If you have a slingshot, a bow and arrow, some states allow air guns like rifles and pistols that shoot pellets with air. If that's all you got, use what you can. You know, sometimes all you have to do is buy a little time to get yourself or your family to safety. Sometimes it's going to take a little more than that. Sometimes these people are out to get you, and you need to be able to defend yourself. If you can't do it, you're just going to surrender and walk away. But learn how to do it properly. Don't just buy a gun, throw it in the nightstand, and let it sit there with no formal training, with no usage of the weapon. And especially if you have small kids, make sure that weapon is secured. There are plenty of combination boxes that can be opened in a matter of milliseconds or fractions of a second to be able to get your hands on them and be up and ready to defend yourself or your family. If not, you know, you're taking a chance. If you want to take that chance, by all means do it. But don't tell me I have to do it. Don't vote for the guy that's going to take my gun away. Because then when they come for me, I'm going to point them in your direction. I'm going to say, he's got a lot better stuff than I do. Here, let me help you get that door open. (laughs) Go ahead, take his stuff. You know, And, you know, that's what you're doing. If I have a weapon and you don't, don't put a sign. You want me to put a sign in my yard saying, 
his house with an arrow pointing to the neighbor. His house has no guns in it. He's an easier target. Go take advantage of him. Of course you don't. You want to take advantage of the fact that there are people who will help defend you if you ask for it. They will help train you to defend yourself. You have the capability. You have the right in this country. The right to keep and bear arms exists. That's what it's there for. Don't give it up. It's not about hunting. It's about defending yourself, your property, your life, your family against tyranny, against criminal activity. Take the time, learn how to do it, and do it right. You'll never regret that if you can help avoid a conflict where you save somebody in your family's life or save yourself the stress of losing a family member. All right, I am Roger B. This has been Locked and Loaded, and you've been listening to America's Web Radio. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.